right. Uh, am I turned on here? All right. I do have the attendance sheet I'm going to pass around for you. And so if you would, keep that going. Once it gets over here, try to get it over here and make sure everyone fills that out for me, please. Begin with Brother Chuck here. Also, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did a study on this. Um, in fact, the title was, you know, many of you wanted the notes for it. I said, where does a person go when they die? And, and, and many of you called in. So I, what I want to do is make sure that everyone who called in for the notes gets the notes first. If I have any left, then those who want it, I'll be happy to get that for you. Give the difference. If you don't get one, would like one, I'll make up some for the following week. Uh, is Judy Mallory, uh, Bonnie Bear, Rod and Linda Epperson, Ken Witt, Je- uh, and Chuck Swanson. Thank you right there, Brother Chuck. I'll give you yours. And then Elizabeth Wrigley and daughter Tom Buckley. And that's all I have right now. Uh, here you go. So if I called your name, would, would you pass these out for me? Pardon me? Tom, Tom yes. Uh, if I called your name, raise your hand, and he's got all of them right there. Phil's got them. Just give one to him, not all of them. <laughs> okay, now only if I called your name. Only if I called your name, okay? If you haven't left, I'll give that to you. Okay. Anybody else the name I called? All right. If you did not get one, want one. Oh, Paul. <laughs> uh, raise your hand, please. I guess everybody else does. <laughs> if you don't get one, call the church office and I'll make up. In fact, I'll make up 10 more for next week, okay? Probably won't. Hey, Bruce gets one after all. All right, we'll continue our study on what the Bible says about angels. And so far, we've looked at uh, several things. We've looked at the explanation of angels. We've also looked at the description, several descriptions of the Bible gives about angels. Then their delineation between good angels. Remember, good angels are those that are angels that are of God. And also we looked at what are called evil or bad angels, those that one followed Satan in his rebellion against God. And so we covered that so far, but tonight we're going to look at Satan himself, what the Bible says about that. Now, by the way, does everybody have a notebook? Anyone here tonight does not have a notebook? I have a few more of those available. If you want one, I'll be happy to let you have one of those. Okay. So if you want to get out your notebooks, and you can fill in the blanks as we cover these. And some of the scriptures we're going to turn to in the Bible in addition to ones that are on here. But remember, Satan is, uh, we're going to look at, first of all, the names and descriptive titles of Satan. Here's a question for you. Remember, Satan is not his personal name. What's the personal name of Satan? Lucifer. 
And we're going to show you that in Scripture later on too, but we saw that already. Lucifer was his name before his fall, the name that God gave him. And because of his pride, he was cast out of heaven. And we're going to look at that later on tonight also. But Satan is the first name we'll look at tonight. Satan, this name means adversary, hater, or accuser. This name means adversary, hater, or accuser. Satan is used 56 times in the Bible, 19 times in the Old Testament, and also 37 times in the New Testament. Probably the most popular name for him. And really, it's not his personal name. It's a title given to him, and meaning adversary, hater, or accused. The next one, of course, the verse here is 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. That's one of the scriptures given in the Bible. And so, do you know where the a name a Satan is most often used in the Old Testament? Of course, it is in the book of Job. It's mentioned many, many times in the book of Job. Get a chance you can read that in the first, second chapter. It speaks about him. But anyway, that's the first name to look at. The second name is, of course, the devil. That's another common name today. It is used 61 times in the Bible, only in the New Testament. You will not find the word devil in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament term given to him, given to Satan. It means slanderer, accuser, or deceiver. And the Bible clearly says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. We'll see that later on in tonight in other scripture. So the first two names we're looking at of Satan, of course, Satan himself, the name, and the devil. The next, of course, that verse for that one is Matthew 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness and to be tempted of the devil. And he was tempted by Satan himself while he was in the wilderness. The next name, Beelzebub. You ever heard that name before? Beelzebub. This is the prince of the demons. Originally, it meant the Lord of the Flies. And the Jews later changed it to the, mean, the name Lord of the Dung Hill. That's an interesting title. <laughs> Again, it's Satan... Uh, the devil, I mean, Jews trying to belittle him and, and call him the Lord of the Flies and eventually the Lord of the Dung Hill. I'm sure most of you know what dung is. And he, that's what he's called there by the Jews. Mark 3, verse 22, and, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. This is the scribes referring to Jesus because Jesus was casting out demons. And they accused him by doing it with the power of the devil himself. Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils, casteth he out devils. So Beelzebub is referring to the prince of the demons. Remember, there's only one devil. There's many demons. Demons are the fallen angels that followed Satan in his rebellion. So when it says the prince of the devils, plural, the biblical word there in the Greek is demons. The prince of the demons. So he's the one in charge of these fallen angels. The next word is Belial. Belial. Now, I like that word. It means good for nothing. <laughs> in Deuteronomy 13, 13, it says, Certain men, the children of Belial, 
are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods which we have not known. So here he referred to these people that wanted to lead people astray, worship false gods, call them children of Belial, which is another name of Satan. And the next one is the wicked one. The wicked one. He's the evil one who has no reverence for Christ. This is mentioned in the New Testament. In Matthew 13, 19, in the parable of the sower here, when anyone that heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart, that is he which received the seed by the wayside. So again here, Satan is called the wicked one. And of course, when the gospel is given, sometimes when a person does not believe it, it shows you Satan has influence to remove that from them, to cause them not to believe it. And, the, and here is referred to as the wicked one for doing that. Number six. The prince of this world. The word world refers to world politics, business, and society under his domain. The verse for that is John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And you see all this going on in our society, in our country. We can realize who is in charge. What's going on in uh, Washington. And notice the principal order of the world is talking about the world of politics and business and society. All is under Satan's domain. Another term given to him is the God of this world. The God of this world. If you have your Bibles, the God of this world means the God of this age. His purpose is to blind people to the truth of the gospel. Look in 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians. In chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Satan is called the God of this world. The verse I have on the screen here is verses 3 and 4 he mentioned here. It says in verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. And it goes on to say, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should be, whose image of God should shine unto them. Who is the God of this world? Satan is. I remember as a boy when I was in Sunday school, we sang a song typically, you know, it says he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole... You know, how many know that song? Of course, when we sing that, we refer to God of heaven. But biblically speaking, who has this whole world in his hands? In fact, the Bible says Satan does. That he is the God of this world. Does that mean he's more powerful than God? By no means. When God created this world, he gave the domain to Adam and Eve. And when they fell, they lost the dominion over this earth, and it was given to Satan. In fact... This is not in your notes. Go to 1 John, please. 1 John, near the back of your Bibles. 1 John chapter 5. 
again, the word world means the God of this age. It can also refer to this world itself. When it says God here, listen carefully. The name God here is given to him not because he has any divine attributes, but because he actually has the homage of people of this world as their God, as being uh, who is really worshipped or who is, has the affections of their hearts and the same way given, as the same way given to idols. When the word, the, actually, the word world there is the word age. The current world mindset expressed by ideals, opinions, and goals, the views majority of the people in our world have. It encompasses the world's philosophies, education, and commerce. First John 2 says, love not the what? The world. Why? Because this world is uh, controlled by Satan. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Basically, this world is is the opposite direction of what God uh, God is. And the Bible says that if any man loves this world, he cannot love God at the same time. They're two diametrically opposed. He goes on to say, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. So Satan is God's world. Look in 1 John 5, look in verse, in verse 19, please. In fact, the latter part of verse 18, it says, But he had begotten of God keepeth himself, and that the wicked one toucheth him not. Verse 19. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in what? Wickedness. And that word wickedness literally means in the hands of the wicked one. And uh, someone, one, one commentary says, in the lap of the wicked one. So basically, this world, its ways, its philosophies, and the direction it's going, is under the domain, the control of Satan himself. And it was given to him. Now, remember during the temptation of Christ, when Satan took Christ up to this high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world, and he said, if you fall down and worship me, I will give them to you. And the question is, were they his to give? And yes, they were, because he gained them at the fall. And so that was a legitimate offer. And, of course, Christ turned down that. But Christ will regain this world when he comes back the second time uh, in a second coming. But anyway, Satan is called the God of this world. And notice the God of this world, his number one objective in the world today, you know what it is? To blind people's minds to the gospel. Didn't say blind their eyes, their minds, their understanding. So Satan has a counterfeit gospel. It's a gospel of good works. And if Satan get, can get a person to believe he has to be good, that it's his behavior, his conduct that earns God's favor, can merit his way to heaven, he's been blinded by Satan. And he's trusting his works to save him and not Christ. And you think about all other religions in the world today teach salvation by good works. They say to go to heaven you must do. But Christianity says, done. All the work required for you and I to go to heaven was finished and done at the cross. The last thing Jesus said before he died, it is finished. So the work was done, the price was paid, and we're, we're saved through what Christ did for us. So salvation is not obtained by trying, but by trusting. It's not gained by doing, 
about resting upon that which is done. And when a, when a sinner realizes he cannot save himself and puts his trust, dependence upon Christ as a Savior, he's given eternal life. Let me ask you, how many of you, there was a time in your life prior to your salvation that you believed you had to be good to go to heaven? Would you raise your hand, please? Satan was successful in you to convince you you had to be good to heaven. So you were blinded to the truth of the gospel. And, uh, but by good judgment on your part, when you heard the gospel message, you chose to trust Christ as your Savior. And though you were once blinded, now you can see. So he is the God of this world in whom has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Another term given to Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. This means he is the lord of the powers of the air, that is, the demons who dwell and rule in this atmosphere. The verse for that in Ephesians 2.2, 2, it says, we're in time past, here speaking to the Ephesian believers, but before they were saved, he says, ye walked according to the course of this what? Now, remember, who is the God of this world? So as unbelievers, they were walking according to the course, the direction of this world, which is controlled by Satan. It goes on to say, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And basically, uh, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, the air, remember, it's talking about the domain where the demons dwell. We talked about, in the Bible, there's three heavens. Remember that? And remember when Paul, uh, in one of his visions, he was called up to the third heaven. So there's the third heaven that has to be the first and second. Would you agree with that? So the first heaven is the atmosphere which we breathe, where the birds fly and the clouds are. That's the first heaven. That's the devil's domain. But also the second heaven is where the stars and planets are. That's also the devil's domain. But the third heaven is beyond that, and that's where God dwells. And that's, uh, Satan does not have domain there. Now, Satan has access there. Even today, Satan has access to heaven. We see that in the book of Job. It said, when the sons of God came to appear themselves before God, and that Satan was among them. And Satan goes there to accuse the brethren. Now, he cannot remain there. He was cast out of heaven, but he has access there to accuse the brethren. In the book of Revelation, it says he does that day and night. So he has access but the prince of the power of the air. And it's interesting, I think we covered this. At the rapture, when the rapture happens, remember the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive remain shall be what? Called up together with them to meet the Lord in the clouds to be with the Lord. Now the question I've asked several times, why has the Lord himself come down? Now, he could just stay in heaven and tell all believers, come on up. But according to Thessalonians, the Lord himself shall descend. Why does he himself come down? Because he's coming down in the devil's domain. And I personally believe if, it, if the believers just went up by themselves, Satan would do everything he can to stop them. Because he's the prince of the power of the air, the domain where the, the demons exist. And so the Lord himself should descend from heaven. So I don't know about you. I'm glad that I use the word the main man's coming down for us. <laughs> and 
and he's coming down to get us and take us to heaven. Because I believe Satan did everything he would to stop that. But he will not be able to do that. But Satan's also called the prince of the power of the air. The old serpent. Many of you know this term. This doubtless refers to the serpent that's deceived Eve. Go with you, please, now. In the book of Genesis, chapter 3, please. Genesis, chapter 3. I just want to bring something to your attention that uh, many people do not, maybe have never heard before. Genesis chapter 3. This is the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And the word serpent here, no doubtless, refers to the serpent that deceived Eve while he was there. So look in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now the what? Serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Ye hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Interesting here. It is believed by many Bible scholars uh, that Satan, prior to the fall, walked uprightly. It is believed that by many that he was one of the most uh, intellectual, most uh, smartest of beasts. Because you notice here, he was talking. That was Eve surprised by that? She didn't say, wait a minute. Who's this talking to me? Act like this was a natural thing. The serpent spoke to her, and she responded and talked back to him. And Because and, one of the curse, if you would look over to verse 14, as a result of the fall, in verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, upon thy what? Belly thou shalt go. So basically, it's believed that evidently he had legs and walked upright. He was, very, he was more subtle than all the beasts, meaning more cunning, more crafty than all the beasts of the field, and he could talk. And, uh, and so evidently he was indwelt by Satan, and Satan used him to speak to Eve to uh, tempt her, and she gave in. So it is believed by many, of course, the fact that it said he was, again in verse 1 there, that he was more subtle, that means crafty, uh, uh, than all the other beasts that he evidently he was one of the smartest beasts that God created, that he walked uprightly, he could talk, and, 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 so, and then deceived Eve. And as a result of the fall, he was cast to the uh, ground, and on his belly he did walk. Evidently, prior to the fall, he didn't walk on his, go on his belly. Walked uprightly. So that is, that is um, again, what many think, based upon that scripture right there, it's conjecture, but it's something to think about there. The fact that he did talk and he was not surprised, that should give us some kind of hint that he possibly could do that prior to that. And so, the old serpent. But interesting, in the book of Revelations, on the screen there, Revelation 12, verse 9, it says, and the great dragon, in fact, go ahead and turn there, please, because this is actually when Satan is cast out of heaven for good. Go to Revelation, please. 
Revelation chapter 12. The last book of your Bible, if that's helpful. Revelation 12. Look with me in verse 7. Revelation 12, verse 7. It says there in verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael, now who is Michael? The archangel. Remember, among the good angels, the angels that remain faithful to God, Michael was the most powerful of God's angels. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So the dragon we're going to see in the next verse was Satan himself. Now remember in the book of Jude, there was a confrontation between Michael and Satan. And in that verse, uh, uh, Michael realized he was no match to Satan. And in there, when it was, they, conf- they, they uh, argued over the body of Moses in the book of Jude. And it said, Michael said, the Lord rebuked thee. Remember that verse? Which meant he was no match for Lucifer. Compared to Lucifer, he was no match. And he did not try to fight him on his own strength. The Lord rebuked thee. But evidently, near the end of the uh, tribulation here, Satan and his angels lose some of their power because now Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Now, the angels were Satan's not because he created them. Satan cannot create. They were his angels because they followed him in the fall. When he rebelled against uh, God, in fact, if you back up in verse, verse 3, Here's where we get the phrase where one-third of the angels that uh, followed Satan's rebellion. In verse 3, there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great wet red dragon, talking about Satan, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. We don't have time to get all that. But verse 4, and his tail drew one-third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. There's believed there that means the stars of heaven are the angels. So when Satan rebelled against God, he took one-third of the angelic host with him. And they're called demons today. And now in verse 7, Satan and his demons were fighting against Michael and the good angels. And it said, verse 8, And prevailed not, neither was there found, place found any more in heaven. In verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, please listen. This is not when Satan fell. This is yet future. This part of Revelation is yet future. When Satan rebelled against God, he lost his position in heaven. That position was cast out, but he still has access to heaven. So at this time, he's removed completely from heaven, has no more access. If you read on, in verse 10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is what? Cast down, which accused them before our God how often? Day and night. So today, since Satan fell, he has access to heaven. And he goes there to accuse the brethren. Who's the brethren? That's us. And when you and I sin, he may go to heaven and mention you by name before God and say, look what David Peterson's doing. He's supposed to be your own child, and look what he's doing. Now, I'm so glad I have an advocate with the Father. 
His name is Jesus. And he speaks on my behalf. And he may say, yes, my son David's doing wrong, but it's, it's under the blood. It's been paid for by my death on the cross. And Satan has to close his mouth and leave. <laughs> and, but anyway, but anyway, today he has access to heaven. But this time here in Revelation, he's cast out for good, has no more access, no more accusing the brethren anymore. So that's another war that's coming in heaven. In this case, Michael's archangel prevail in this battle. Another one, of course, the word name given to him is mentioned right here in Revelation, is the word dragon. All these are not personal names. They are depicting his character, the serpent, a dragon, a wicked one, all depict the character of this Lucifer that fell and was cast out of heaven. Revelation 20, verse 2. We saw, it said, and he laid hold of the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. You know, when Christ returns at the second coming, he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. But prior to doing that, it says here in Revelation 20, verse 2, that he, that he will take Satan and bind him and throw him in a bottomless pit for how long? A thousand years. How long was the millennial reign of Christ? A thousand years. So there's going to be 1,000 years of this earth that there'll be no tempter to tempt man. And during that thousand year millennium. Now, at the end of the millennium, the Bible said he is loosed and let go. It's referred to as a battle of Gog and Magog. And of course, they'll come try to surround the city of Jerusalem, and God will take them and destroy all of them. And at that time, Satan's cast in the lake of fire, and there will be there for all eternity. You can read about it in Revelation 20. Or we'll focus on that at another time in our study here. Another term given to Satan. An angel of light. This refers to Satan's ability to put on a false and delusive uh, appearance. If you would go with me now to, in fact, the verses here. And go to 2 Corinthians 11, please. 2 Corinthians 11. Here's a question for you. Did Satan's appearance change when he fell? (laughs) This appearance, uh, I think it's an implication and maybe somewhat. Uh, I don't think he's hideous. I don't think he's red and has a pitchfork and has a forked tail with horns. When he appears... Of course, according to this verse, look in 2 Corinthians 11, if you would please. I got chapter 10, but I, verse 8, chapter 11. Look in verse uh, 13, please. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. It said, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of what? So here Paul's warning the church of Corinth of false apostles. Because what makes them so deceitful when they come to you? They don't come with a name tag and say, oh, I am a false apostle. They come looking, talking like a Christian. Of course, the Christ says, they beware of, of, uh, of wolves who come to you in what kind of clothing? Sheep's clothing. So they have the appearance of a sheep 
innerly they're wolves, and he says they transform themselves. The word transform is metamorpho outwardly. They don't change the character, they change their appearance. And so basically, Paul said, listen, be careful, beware, because there's many false prophets out there who have all the appearance of being a prophet of God. Then he says in verse 14, and don't be amazed. No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of what? Again, the word transformed means metamorpho. He does not change inwardly, outwardly. So if the devil were to come in this room right now, he would not come looking hideous like a demon. He would come like an angel of light. And no wonder he's so deceitful by doing so. So the implication here, maybe his appearance did change. Because one time he was an angel of light, angel of righteousness in heaven. So now it acts like he is not. But when he does appear to men or people, he can appear as he once was, angel of light. So what does he look like? I don't know. We don't know for certain. But it says here he's able to transform outwardly into an angel of light. And no wonder he's so deceitful. And the word light in the Bible represents righteousness. Another term given to Satan. Oh, I forgot to share with you. I think you've turned away from there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we read verse 14, for no marvel Satan himself is transformed angel of light. But verse 15, let me read it to you. Though. You need to turn there. It says, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. Now, who's the his ministers referred to? Satan. Does Satan have ministers? I believe if you look at many of the men on the radio, television, or uh, behind the pulpits of America are not ministers of God. They're ministers of Satan. That even his ministers transform themselves as ministers of righteousness. And by the way, how can you tell someone if a preacher is truly a, a minister of God, a minister of Satan? What is the one way you can pinpoint that? By the gospel. The gospel of Jesus. What do they preach is required for salvation? And, and so... Do they teach works or righteousness of men to get to heaven? Then they're not of God. They teach the grace of God that salvation is not by works as a minister of God. Now, father of lies. The word father means the originator or falsehood who seeks to lead people away from God, who is the source of who, God, who's the source of truth and life. But look in John 8, 44. Here, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, John 8, 44, the verse will be on the screen. He told these religious leaders, he says, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you would do. He, talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a, a liar and the father, what? Of it. So Satan, who's the one who spoke the first lie? Satan was. And he did that to Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and so they talk about he's a uh, father of lies. Interesting. Uh, do you realize the churches across America are called the churches of Satan? And they have their own satanic Bible. If you don't believe me, Google it. <laughs> You'll find them all across America. 
and they have a Bible called the Satanic Bible, and uh, and they worship Satan. And the Bible said he's the father of what? Lies. But I'm so glad the God we worship, he cannot lie. And Titus 1, 2 said that he promised salvation before the world began who cannot lie. But Satan does lie. How would you like to worship a liar? And that's what those who, uh, church of Satan does. A murderer, another term given to Satan. As he was the cause uh, why death came in the world, he may uh, be said have been a murderer in that act from the beginning. We saw that again in John 8, 44. And you are the father of the devil. The lust of your father you would do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And referred to many people at the fall when he caused men to fall and, you know, far as die spiritually uh, before God. A roaring lion. We're just about done with the names here. Then we're going to look at the Old Testament here in just a minute. A roaring lion. This name denotes the efforts which Satan makes to alarm and overpower us. It is believed by many it could be allusion to the horrors of Neronian persecution in the Roman Colosseum in which lions mauled and devoured Christians. Uh, Satan desires to do the same thing to us spiritually to defeat believers' testimonies. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the what? The devil, as a roaring lion. Now, interesting, in Rome, the Colosseum, Nero hated Christians. And remember, Nero, uh, uh, this Rome burned to the ground, and Nero blamed Christians for doing that. As a result, of that, he persecuted them. He would light, he had one of the greatest beautiful gardens in all the world. He would light his garden nighttime with Christians who were soaked with oil. He persecuted believers horribly. In the Colosseum, he would put Christians out there and, uh, and then turn loose lions that were starving. And the lions would just butcher them, devour them. And so it's believed that when Peter said this, the Satan as a roaring lion, they'd have the picture of, of the lions, what they did to Christians in the arena that Satan does to Christians today, not physically, but spiritually. So, roaring lion. Now, the personality, let's quickly go through this. We have about... Ten minutes left, and I'd like to get to something if we can. Personality, first of all, this is a general, there is a general denial of the devil as a person. To deny such as deny the word of God, the scriptures teach that he is as much a person as the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they think today that Satan refers to anything as evil. And no doubt he might be the cause of evil. But Satan is a person created by God himself. He's real, a literal person who is out to destroy Christians and wants to rule this world. And so that's his personality. It's a general denial of that today, but he is real, uh, a person. Now, go with me now to Ezekiel, please. Can you turn your Bibles there? Ezekiel 28. I'll give you about 10 minutes to find that one, okay? The Old Testament. Ezekiel 28. We have about 10 minutes left. Ezekiel 28. Here's the origin of Satan, where Satan came from, and gives us a description of him. I will read through this quickly, then let you fill in the blanks, and we'll review this next week when we come back. Uh, Ezekiel 28, look with me in verse 12, please. 
It says, Son of man, take up the lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, if you back up in verse 1 of 28, it says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyrus. So we have a prince of Tyrus in verse 2, and also there in verse 12, the king of Tyrus. Now, the prince of Tyrus was the human authority, the human king in the city. And it goes on to say, the king of Tyrus was a spiritual authority. If you get a chance, read the first several verses. The, the physical authority had all the uh, characteristics of the spiritual authority, Satan. And I wonder, uh, well, we'll come back next week. We'll come back to what, maybe who is behind the authority in Washington. <laughs> but look what it says, you would please. It says in verse 12, Son of man, take up the lamentations upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou seest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in what? Beauty. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, a sardes, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the, jaffar, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day thou was created. Thou art the anointed what? Cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. This is not talking about a human. Because notice this king once was in the Garden of Eden. So fill in these blanks, please. We cover thee. First of all, verse 12 speaks of Satan as it said, of his wisdom and beauty. Of Satan, of wisdom and beauty, it says in verse 12, Son of man, take up lamentations upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, thou sealest up the sum. Notice Satan is full of what? Wisdom and perfect and beauty. This is prior to his fall. He about he probably is the most beautiful creature God created. Of all the angels, he was the most beautiful and the one had the greatest intellect, the greatest wisdom. Now, he still has great intellect, though it's been defiled by his fall. He's still very smart. But prior to his fall, he is full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Next, verse 13. It speaks of his appearance and musical ability. It says, verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, we know that was Satan himself. Every precious stone was thy covering. That refers to his beauty. The sardas, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle and gold. Listen carefully, please. You want to do a little study? These are the nine of these stones, the same stones in the breastplate of the high priest of Israel. In the book of Exodus, when uh, uh, the high priest of Israel, they made him a breastplate with 12 stones. We each represent each of the 12 tribes of Israel. The, all of these stones were part of that breastplate. Now, they were there directed by God. They were created in Satan when he was created. You know, do a study on that. Find all nine of these. Now, there's uh, uh, eight of them there. Gold was not a stone in the breastplate because the breastplate itself was made of gold. But the rest of them were actually stones that were in the breastplate of Aaron, the high priest. Get a chance to read that. But read on what it says here. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee, 
day that was created. Talk about his musical ability. It is, by the way, the word workmanship means occupation. It is believed by many. Who was the music director in heaven? Satan was. In fact, he was created with musical abilities. It says, tablets and pipes, those are musical instruments, were prepared in the day that was created. So Satan was wise, beautiful, and it goes on to say uh, his appearance of all these covering, and he had musical ability. Now, please listen. Notice uh, he used music once to worship God, and he still has musical ability. And I believe he used it to worship himself. Interesting, as a church, we're conservative on music. But it's sad today, so many churches today, their music is no different from the world. In fact, you ever heard of Fanny Crosby? Now, of course, she was blind and wrote so many great hymns. Her testimony says when she walked through the town on Sunday, she could tell the difference uh, uh, when she passed by a building, whether it was a church or a bar, by the music that came out of it. If she lived today, that would not be so. Because so many churches today, the music is no different from the bar down the street. Their lyrics are different, but the music is the same. And I believe Satan has part in that. The Bible says, love not the world, neither things of the world. Their philosophy is we take the world's music and use it to reach people with the gospel of Christ. My friend, that is not of God. The music ought not only to be the word of God, but the music ought to express the character of God, which he is separate from this world. And that's the reason we are conserving our music, not by, uh, not by my choice, but by conviction. We will not take the music of this world, the Christian rock music and so on, and use it to worship God. It's just contrary to him. And yet, how many churches are doing that today? And so to find a church that has good conservative Christian music, you can't find it. They're very rare. And so that's the reason we stick to the old hymns and conservative music because uh, I believe so much of the music today in churches is not of God, but of Satan. Next one. Say, get off your high horse there, Pastor. <laughs> next one. The next one speaks of his original position. He said, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. That's where God existed. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Notice his position before he fell was a cherub, but notice a anointed cherub. If you do a study on the tabernacle where God built, one of the pieces of furniture in the Holy Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had a lid, and on the lid were two what? Cherubs, angels that hovered over the throne of God. And by the way, Satan was one of those angels. That was the position. Over the very throne of God, he hovered there. He was called the anointed cherub that what? Covereth. He's one of those angels that covered the throne of God in the very presence of God before he fell. That was his original position. Verse 15 speaks of his practice and his origin. Verse 15 speaks of his practice and his origin. He says, Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was what? Do you realize Satan, Lucifer, was created by God himself? He created Satan. He created all the angels prior to their fall. And so Satan was perfect in beauty. He was perfect in his, way, in his ways. 
from the day he was created. So basically his practice was perfect and his origin was created by God himself till iniquity was found in thee. Verse, five, verse 16, number five. It speaks of his sin, his fall, and the cause of each. Look what it says. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled in the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. It means out of his presence. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. He's called the cherub again. One that covereth. From the midst of the stones of fire, thy heart was lifted up because of thy what? Beauty. So what was Satan's sin? Pride. What made him prideful? His beauty. The heart was lifted because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. And the last one, we'll close with this. It speaks of his judgment. Verse 18. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And so basically, here's God's judgment upon him. Now, we're going to review this. I went through this quickly. We're going to go this a little slower next week and bring out some other truths from this passage. But again, this is Satan's origin. Next week, also going to look at his fall uh, in the book of uh, Isaiah. So anyway, we've got to stop there. It's time for us to quit. And Juan is going to cease here. And so with the youth, so parents got to pick them up. So please come back next week. Again, if you did not get a notebook, we, uh, I'd be happy to give you one. I got a couple of them still up here that you can fill in the blanks. And we'll continue our study on Satan. We'll review this from the uh, book of Ezekiel and also go to the book of Isaiah and look at it in more detail. Let's bow together, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and the study of the angels, these magnificent creatures that are created by you. And they were created there to serve and to worship you. But Father, we see in your word that was one angel, in fact, the most powerful, most beautiful angel you created, Lucifer himself, because of his beauty, became prideful. And we're going to see in the book of Isaiah that he wanted your position. He wanted to be like you. And you cast him out of heaven. And Father, he is the adversary, the arch enemy of the believer today. Help us to learn much from our enemy that we can stand strong against him, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.